Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back. Today's guest in episode five is Amy Ouellette. She is a dear friend, curious, powerful, empowering. She is also an inspiring entrepreneur, wellness advocate with doTERRA essential oils, wife, mom, creative soul, and growth seeker. In this episode, Amy shares about her curiosity and mindset, her marriage, how she connected more with her femininity underneath her dominant masculine energy, and you are in for a treat because you even get to experience a mini essential oil class. Amy is a gift and you will truly get a feel of her inner fire, her passion and heart. It was so much fun to dive into conversation with her today and you will enjoy. Take care. Right. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagner, your host, and this is episode five, which is so exciting. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to tune in, listen, and subscribe, and for all the positive feedback so far. I'm just so excited and elated about this project and can't wait to continue forward and see how it all unfolds. Today, I have a dear friend, Amy Olette, with me. Um, thanks so much for being here, Amy. Thank and you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, gosh, it's hard to even know where to begin with you. I think about, I was trying to remember exactly the first time we met, and I can't remember because we've crossed paths in so many different ways over the last few years. Um, Amy, for all of you who haven't met her before, she I just think of you as a rock star. You are a powerhouse of a woman, one of the biggest inspirations for me on so many levels. Um, Amy is an entrepreneur. You own multiple businesses, um, and I can't wait for you to share more about that. You're a mom, a wife, as well as just such a creative soul out in the world, um, and you inspire, I think, a lot more people than you know. Um, and then I like to say that she's the queen of doTERRA, doTERRA essential oils, which we'll be talking a little bit more about today. Um, queen meaning uh, just most spectacular wellness advocate. Um, but she is my mentor with doTERRA um, and just, again, such a positive influence for so many in her sharing of her passions um, on so many levels. So enough of me chatting. This is more about you, Amy, and I want to just invite you to share. It's like so hard to know again where to begin. Um, but my first thought was, what are the first three words that pop into mind when you think about how you would describe yourself? Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. Wow. Okay. That's con like, yeah, I thought, we're, like, I thought it was going to question that. Like I knew. All right. I know it's such a hard one. I put you on the spot. We can come back to it I too. Think, okay. I, I think I can pull into this. Uh, teachable, I think is one of the things that I learned about myself recently in the last couple of years and feel has done me well over my lifetime. And it's something that I feel a little proud of at this point is teachability because yeah. And then let's see. Um, 
curious. Mm, that's a good one. I would definitely say that for you. And um, yeah, like I like to empower other people. Mm-hmm. And that's not one word, really. Empower. Empower, I guess empowering. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Okay. Those described in my mind. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I I was curious. I was thinking about you today and all the different words that came to mind when I was thinking about you. Um, Curious was one of the top. Um, You are just so incredibly curious about people and life. And um, I think what makes people... um, like just ignite and, and also just you in what I've learned from you with all the different business, you know, and ideas and creativity and then the different things you do create. I'm like, gosh, Amy is so cool. You're so curious. So I'd love to dive more into that later. Okay. Um, so next, what, what's brought you to where you're at today? Um, you are again, wellness advocate for doTERRA and have a really beautiful and solid team under you. Um, I see you as such a connector and community builder on so many ways. Um, so I'd love to hear more about what led you to doTERRA as well as, um, share a little bit more about, um, your other businesses, um, that you've created and still have. You are just an entrepreneur on all levels. And we, I love that we chatted about entrepreneurism, um, in the car ride on the way here, um, and how you see yourself in that role. Okay. So I, as far as what brought me into business, I um, sort of got in there accidentally. I invented something uh, about 13 years ago. It was a tool for people who make glass beads. And it came out of my own use of, uh, I'm a glass artist, and using the tools that were available to me. And I decided I wanted something else. And my dad's a machinist, so that was good to have in my back pocket. And I outlined to him what I wanted to create. And he created it for me. And I posted beads that I had made with the tool on the internet and just a forum of other user, you know, like other glass artists and stuff and got a lot of feedback that people were interested in how I made those beads because structurally they couldn't figure it out. So I ended up, long story short with that, uh, creating a business of making tools for people who make glass beads. And I've shipped the tools all over the world to more countries than I could, I think, even possibly visit at this point. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. And has really, what it created in the bead world at the time was there was a lot of talent in sculptural work and there was a lot of talent in decorative work. The decorative work folks didn't have a really good canvas on which to work. Like most painters, they go and they purchase a canvas and then they put their expression on the canvas. And with the glass, if you are a artist that wanted to do sculptural work, then that obviously you don't need a canvas for that. But if you want to do decorative work, there wasn't a great canvas. And so there would be beads that were stunning decoratively. However, they weren't super stunning as far as the shape went um, because the the tooling just wasn't there. And so allowing the artists to come in and create the canvas because sculptural work wasn't their thing. Mm. They needed a a foundation. And then to be able then to put their artwork on that foundation not only allowed them the ability to spend a lot more time at the torch perfecting their creative skills and their decorative skills, but it also allowed jewelry designers to very easily incorporate those pieces into work because now they could get a consistent size and shape. And as a jewelry designer, that's super important. And so it took 
the jewelry designer into the world of lamp work, which is what that technique is called, in a very different way. And so that was really wonderful. And providing a canvas also made it so that production work could be done still very creatively. And so then it didn't need to be oppressed beads from sort of China or in another sort of venue where it's more speedy Mm -hmm. and quick. Mm -hmm. It could be sort of more production, but artistically productive. And so that was kind of cool. So I started that business about 13 years ago in partnership with my dad. That's so cool. So quickly, I'm going to interject. Are you, uh, does that define you as a jewelry maker? Like, do you design jewelry? I actually never got really into designing jewelry. I love to make the beads. Okay. And so I like to melt the glass. I play with fire. Ah. That's very different, right? That that actually makes so much sense. Yeah. You are, I love it. You are very much fire. So (laughs) that's really cool. Exactly. Um, I think that that's kind of where the whole like energy space falls for me too. Mm -hmm. more fire. But so I, I play with fire and I make the beads and I have put beads into jewelry and stuff, but honestly, I usually end up putting them on like a nice silver chain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and letting people decide if they want to, you know, go further with that. So I don't do a lot with jewelry designing, but I, I do still to this day make glass creations and And therefore the tool helps you. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. So that's pretty fun. But that was very accidental. I did not have a lot of business experience. I had worked nine to five jobs up until then and hadn't really thought outside the box in pretty much any area of my life Um, until about three years prior. I had moved into, after having finished, so I went to high school, went and worked five years in a corporate setting, realized that was not my passion. And then I went to college for four years as a 23-year-old freshman. And then I did my college and then moved into a space where we, my husband and I got married right after college and we were house parents in a group home for abused and neglected girls. Wow. And that was kind of the first step into my, the, the, the point at which my life shifted from you do this so you can do this, so you can do this, so you can do this, and you mm-hmm. kind of just follow this path. Going to the group home kind of shifted everything to me, for me to be able to be like, oh, there's a million different ways to live your life. And now there's, and there's a bunch of different paths. And so instead of what comes next logically, because that's just societally what Mm -hmm. we do next, right? right? We get married, then we have children. So we got married and we were house parents to girls um, ages four to 20 for about three and a half years. We did that. Wow, Amy. Yeah. How was that for, I mean, just newlywed and then that's what you dive right? into. Yeah. That must have been, and yeah. do you mind me asking how old were you when you got married? So, so you said right out of college. Yeah, I was t- about 27 when wow. I got married. And then to wow, right? dive into that. Yeah. So, so how was that? That was amazing. It, it's one of those things that it's like, we, we certainly never argued over who left their socks mm-hmm. on the floor. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those petty things that I think happen a lot in the first couple of years of marriage, at least my other friends had kind of shifted through that of kind of sort of the smallness of life becomes very large when you mm-hmm. first get married, mm-hmm. that vulnerability, that putting yourself in a position. So then those sort of defenses come up and that kind of stuff. We really didn't have time for that mm-hmm. because our, our space was we're supporting and taking care of these children. And so it was sort of for those of you who had, um, 
just for a frame of reference, it was kind of like being a foster parent yeah. without having to have a job. Okay. So foster parents still live their lives as the rest of us do, but then they have these kids that are not theirs that they're taking care of. And 24 seven, 24 seven. And so that was the way this group home was set up was 24 seven. We were the parents for one week. Wow. And then the next week, the other set of parents stepped in. Okay. And so we were supposed to have every other week off. So mm-hmm. it seemed like as newlyweds, this would be perfect. Yeah. We could spend time with our, you know, with each other and we could have this wonderful opportunity to serve and support these girls. And then three months, uh, well, actually about a month and a half into our marriage, the other house parents quit. Oh my Abruptly. gosh. Wow, Amy. So then we were 24 seven all the time with an occasional, res- occasional respite care. And that was really actually brilliant because we really did have an opportunity to pour into these girls. And the girls that we cared for then, many of them I'm still very connected to now. And um, thankfully because of uh, Facebook, because without Facebook, like when you leave a place, they don't, they don't give you forwarding addresses to these girls when they move on and stuff like that. And so if we weren't in the age that we're in with technology right now, we wouldn't be able to necessarily have done that. Mm -hmm. They would have had to seek us out or something. Um, So it was really cool. We got a chance to stay connected and the connections uh, that we were able to make and sort of it's so wonderful to see that so many of them are living a life very different than from where they came from. Mm. And they were able to sort of walk away from that cycle that could very well continue. And for most people does like most people in the foster care system really do struggle for, you know, multiple generations um, just because it's, it's a tough system, but they were able to get to our home that was set up very differently and allowed them to have much more stability and consistency in care. And about six months after uh, the first couple left, we did have another couple that lasted about three months. Mm -hmm. And then we went for another period of time for several months where it was just us again. And then we had another couple come in probably about nine months after we left. So it was up and down as far as how much time we were like full on. But I really, I never felt burned out. I felt pushed Mm. and like, open to grow. Yeah. But I, I, it was definitely a decision that we made as a couple to move on, but it was definitely something that fueled me. Like I was made like in that sort of connection and support and the ability to kind of be there for them and hold the space. That is so powerful. That was kind of my first experience of holding space for somebody. Mm. I didn't have that term Mm -hmm. and that languaging Mm -hmm. that, that I have now, but I think that was the first time that I sort of held that space for somebody else to do their own growth. Like they're going to have to figure out their own relationship with their parents, whether that's going to continue or not, or how that's going to look their own relationships with their siblings, because Mm. many of them had siblings. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're going through a difficult life situation, you and your siblings may have the same parents and they may have the same technically, they had the same physical experience, but they took it very differently. Right. And that was the first time that I realized that nobody has the same parents. Mm. Like no two people on the planet Mm -hmm. have the same parents. Mm -hmm. Because the energy is very different for each individual. Yeah. That is, wow, that's transformative on so many levels. And for you and your husband to share in that experience and make that decision to really truly, hey, we're going to, you have this choice. Like when those first, that first parents, you know, the other parents left, that must have been intense because it's like, okay, I guess we're, 
we're choosing to step fully into this. And, yeah. and that's, that was going to be one of my questions. Like, did you feel like you burned out? Because I, I would imagine, um, I worked very differently, but as a, like a wilderness therapy counselor, um, with at risk kids for two years, but by the end it was very high burnout and I loved it, but man, it was, I was yeah. ready to go when I was ready to go. So that's amazing, Amy, that for three and a half years, you, you guys did that. Yeah. Um, and what great stability and consistency for those girls to really just be that solid presence and support for them. Yeah. It was definitely an honor. That yeah. We got to be with them on that path. You yeah. Know, like we got to enter their path at that point. Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, so I did that and that was the first time that I realized, oh, it doesn't have to be that path, you know, that you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And then we did a couple other sort of random things in between. And then I discovered, kind of created that tool. And then that became our life was primarily just that business mm. was our financial source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we continued to do that and have our own little other sort of endeavors, my glass, and he's a very creative person as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how is it working together? I mean, so far great. what I'm hearing is you, you chose to work together through yeah. the various, okay. Yeah. And it really worked really for you guys. Pretty much always have. Yeah. And it does work well for us. And, um, yeah. And I think that part of it is a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. So there's that, like, I value him and I respect him and I very much feel respected by him. Yeah. So I definitely think that that I think is huge if you're going to work with anyone. Oh, definitely. um, Especially a spouse. And I think that we also are very good at not like we don't compete. Like we are very different and Mm -hmm. we allow sort of that difference And so there's not any competition or need to be that, you know? And so our roles kind of ebb and flow as far as the sort of male, female roles and stuff. They kind of like ebb and flow. And I don't know, there's been times that we've been better and and times that we have, you know, like struggled a little bit with roles and how does that play out, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Yes. There's a lot more of that. Yes. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I think that, and I just like him, like I enjoy him. That's awesome. And so like, are you listening out there? (laughs) Right. If I have to spend every day, all day long with someone, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like him. You know, I know you, you, you guys just celebrated your what, 18th wedding yeah, anniversary. That's exactly. amazing. I've not done anything other than like breathe <laughs> consistently for 18 years. Nothing else. Like everything else has been very fluid, <laughs> but for 18 years, I've loved him. So that's beautiful. Which actually a little longer because we got married 18 yes. years ago, but we were together for a couple of years before that. That's beautiful. But yeah. So then, um, we did that and then we were not going to have children. That was kind of a decision that we had initially made uh, in part because we really felt that we were able on levels that other people don't see themselves capable. Maybe they are, but maybe they're not, um, but they don't necessarily see themselves that way to support other people's children or Mm -hmm. other children in the world. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of were really happy with that. And we did that in a couple of different ways. And my husband, um, was a youth pastor for a couple of years after the group home. And so again, service to other people's kids. And we just really loved that. And then around the time of the tool, we had sort of moved back over here because we were living in Southern New Hampshire and I'm from um, Barrington. And so okay. we moved back there and it just felt like, okay, now we're settling down. And it just felt like, 
okay, maybe we need to revisit that. And Mm -hmm. we both came to the conclusion at that point that we wanted to revisit that, which that doesn't always happen in couples, right? Right. Like sometimes it's like, hey, we made this decision when we got married and now you want to change it? Right. Like that's not cool, you know, whatever. Uh, But we both were being sort of tugged in that direction. And so we decided to try. We got pregnant and I miscarried, which... um, That was really profound because uh, I definitely had my own stuff with it, but I did learn that the hardest part for me was holding space for other people's reaction to my miscarriage. Mm, That's a really profound um, observation because I think that comes up for so many other women who I've talked to around that. Right? It's yeah. like, it's not just suddenly that you, get you to feel have like you have to take experience. care of them and yeah. their reactions. It's like, I've yeah. got to now make you feel okay that I just went through this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, and it definitely made me a lot more um, sensitive to the way people process grief. Mm. And so I, so we tried again. And when we got pregnant that time, I actually didn't tell anyone for quite some time. Even people that were closer to me didn't find out right away. Because again, I was like, I could bear another miscarriage with me and my husband. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could put myself in the position to bear other people's loss of my second. Mm, You know what I mean? Right. Right. It wasn't even so much like, Oh, I don't want to have to tell people that I miscarried again. It was more, I don't want to have to like make you feel okay that I miscarried again. You want um, to just simply be able to have your experience. Right. And of course, I would imagine that made you pretty guarded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now looking back on it, it was like, it was definitely a space of like that vulnerability piece, even though I wasn't seeing it as much about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because vulnerability isn't necessarily always about bearing your own soul or Mm. your own hurts Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's also how you can interact with other people in their with their pain you know in their pain yeah Uh, so I was definitely not willing to be vulnerable in that way yeah back then and so but we had a baby so I have a not a little girl that just turned 10 oh my gosh right amazing yeah and so at that point I was like I was pregnant and like a nervous wreck because I had already lost one baby. So I'm like doing everything by the book, right? Like mm. didn't eat anything they told me not to eat, you yeah. know, like that hyper vigilant. Yes. So then I uh, heard about um, Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. Oh, yeah. And I loved her as I loved just, her. you know, an yeah. author. And so I thought, oh, that's cool. And I read about it and I was like, whoa, food system, right? The foundation of our whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is food mm-hmm. and water and where are we getting this stuff from and what's being done to it? And then throw in there the hormones and the mother, yes. like about to be a mother thing. And then I was like hyper vigilant at this mm. point. And then I started devouring like the omnivore's dilemma and okay, I can't eat any of the food at the grocery store. What am I going to do now? Where am I going to get my food? And that was wow, around the same time, right? Yeah. And so, but that was around the same time that um, the Seacoast Eat Local movement had started yes. and this the, the organization had started and they were having these wonderful farmers markets in the winter. And so I was like, oh, awesome. So that's got me connected in with my local farmers and I have great relationships with I many local farmers, super supportive. So if you're in the Seacoast area and you haven't gone to the Seacoast farmers market, yes. oh my gosh, it's like, yeah, it's it, you can buy pretty much anything you want there all winter long. Like it's, it's so, crazy. The winter you know? markets like, are amazing. Yeah. They're so great. Yeah. Even greens all yeah. winter in New England, yes. like in New Hampshire, it's snowing and they've got greens. They're amazing. 
amazing. Uh, so I started that and then started looking into what else can I do myself. And so we got chickens because that's the gateway mm-hmm. drug to mm-hmm. homesteading, right? Yes. So we got chickens and then we got rabbits and we got ducks and now we have a cow. Oh my gosh. And so you have your yeah. own little farm. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Not only are you raising yeah. children, you are now raising all these animals. Yeah. And- Exactly. It's amazing. And I did sell some of the the excess from those endeavors for a bit. So again, that little entrepreneurial spark is yes. just kind of in there fed. Didn't make a big, you know, business of it. Never considered myself a farm, but provided, you know, some extras to and helping to share what you're and, passionate about. And right. that's just education and little nuggets of, yeah. of really um, tremendous passion of, of sharing your journey and what's helping to transform me transform you so right I love it Amy it makes so much sense yeah so as you were gathering all these animals and you were still pregnant with your first during this okay so So we had the baby okay and then we're transitioning and we're like okay over the next couple of years we started accumulating more and started um like kind of probably by the time she was about six and in along the way we had uh, another daughter. So I have a 10-year-old and a now 7-year-old. So, and they're Two awesome. Girls. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so through that period of 7, 10 years in, then we started adding things in and we were doing a lot with that. And that uh, created an amazing community because um, I met other people that wanted to do the same things. And so we would be in partnership to do some of these things. So yes, I do butcher. And so I would get together with a community of people and we would butcher together. And it was like so amazing. And so like, oh, this is how they did it, right? Because nobody can do it all yourself. And so it was really cool to have that community of people. And I'm, you know, really close with them still. And we learned a lot together. I was going to say, how did you learn that process? And how was that first experience of butchering? Oh, right. So my dad had decided when we were small that the 4-H offered free chickens back then, or the the conservation committee or something, okay. something in in the state would mm-hmm. offer you free chickens if you raise them. So he made us raise chickens like two years in a row. Oh my gosh. And made as, us as kids. help butchering yeah. them. Like we were oh, 11, okay. 11 and 12, right? Wow. And so I was like, I hated it. Mm. I was horrible. So then when I like learned about all this food stuff, then I'm like, okay, well, I still want to eat meat, but I definitely don't want to eat that meat. And then there's the, the price factor and, and all of this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to raise some. And I had met these, you know, friends of mine that were already doing some of this themselves. And they're like, we can, you know, you, you can, you can do it. We've got it, you know? And I was like, all right, well, I've always got my dad as a backup, right? Mm-hmm. He can kill him mm-hmm. if I can't, right? Uh, and so I went into it thinking, I have no idea if I can do this because I've never done anything like this before, but which is kind of the rest of my life too. I was going to say how you are wired yes, from what I've observed, right? Amy, exactly. is you're like, you know what, but I'm going to learn. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to go for it, which I'll is figure it out. takes a whole level yeah. of courage that not everyone has. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's intense. So I'm like, all right, backup plan. Cause I always have to have a backup plan. So the backup plan was dad can do it. Okay. Right? Yes. And so I don't like to get in over my head too far. So I will try most anything, but I, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm just jumping. Yeah. Right. Um, backup plan in place and went over and my friends were butchering that day and 
they had a small farm and they were raising chickens for me to sell at the farmer's market. So skilled people knew what they were doing. And so I went over and I was just kind of hanging out and I was just going to chat and Mm -hmm. hang out with them while they did this thing, right? And more just like be around. I wasn't planning on helping. And then they (laughs) said, hey, you're going to have to do this in another couple of months when your chickens are big enough. Why don't you come over here and help? And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And so they started me out on the viscerating, which is the chicken's already dead. It's already plucked. So it's all like, it looks like mostly like the chicken at the grocery store. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that you feel like, okay, this is the stage that it's at, but you still need to take the stuff that's on the inside out. Okay. And that is a lot of the skill. Yes. And so I learned how to do that. And I, so I was like, I'm very helpful. And I like yes, to just you are. be helpful. So yes. I knew that they had a lot to do. So I thought, well, I'm learning a skill and they're getting help. So I went over and butchered with them like every weekend for like, I don't know, several weekends in a row. That was kind of my like weekend fun was going over <laughs> and butchering with them. But it was fun because we'd be talking and it wasn't like lack of respect for the animals because we definitely have respect for them. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how was your feeling of that? Like that energy yeah. and relationship? Because I would say you are definitely one of the most big hearted, kind, loving, compassionate people I know. Um, and so in relationship to animals, I mean, everything you've shared so far, you know, you were a mother to all these girls in the group home. And then, um, and then you gathered all these animals and, yeah. and with such clarity and really thoughtful decision-making and empowerment of, you know, we are going to choose if we choose to eat meat, we're going to do it ourselves, which I actually, I really respect and, and like Amy. Um, but yeah, what was the energy like for you and those animals? And when yeah. you were doing that with the chickens? Yeah. So initially I was doing the eviscerating, so they were already, you know, they had already been put down at okay. that point, right? That's right. And so that was kind of how I got started into it. Um, and that, it was, it was like, there's a respect and a thankfulness because they're providing for us. But I was also working on a preservation farm. So there's a farm in the area that they're preserving a couple of breeds that would technically be extinct at this point had they not done the work. Oh, wow. But if you want to raise animals to keep them from being extinct, especially animals that reproduce like that. Like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to maintain your rhinoceros, then the (laughs) rhinoceros has a much longer gestation period. It only has, you know, one or whatever. And so you can do that over a long period of time without getting way too many rhinoceros, right? Right. But if you're trying to, to maintain a breed, especially genetically, that is damaged. So some of the animals, the birds that they had initially, like even had like crooked beaks and stuff like that because they mm. hadn't been well bred. Mm-hmm. And so the the bloodlines were getting really weak and watered down and like really poor. And so in order to build those bloodlines back up again, you've got to breed a lot of them because some of them are going to have crooked beaks. Well, you can't breed from a crooked beaked bird mm-hmm. and expect to get a non-crooked beaked bird consistently, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there's just, there was some genetic um, things that had happened over time because if you don't take care of genetics, they they don't stay tight. Right. And so they were doing the genetic work of revitalizing these breeds so that they would have proper feet and proper beaks and proper size and proper feathers and all of that. So they would be a healthy, vibrant breed again. And so, in order to do that, you have to have a lot of them. Mm. Well, what are you going to do with all of them? Mm -hmm. Well, out of respect for the animal, you make them useful. You let them feed other people, you let them provide 
what they are able to provide and know that they were part of the system that will allow their breed to continue. So it's no longer really about the individual bird. Mm -hmm. It's about the breed. And that realization made it so much easier for me. Right. Yeah. And so that was the reason that I took in heritage breeds. So I raise heritage breeds from um, one of the breeds that I, the one that I stuck with, I okay. was also raising um, another kind, but the ones I stuck with are the Ancona. They're an Italian egg laying breed and I absolutely love them. Yeah. And they're really fun and feisty. And I was like, going to say, what, yeah. what drew you to that yeah. breed? They're like, the other well, one. they're beautiful. They're black <laughs> yeah. with white specks and okay. this bright red comb yep. and they're awesome. And they have a rose comb, which is a tight comb mm-hmm. to the top of the head, which I had oh. no idea I was going to talk this much about chickens. I know, this Annie. is so fun. I love um, it. Don't you, isn't it fun to see where it goes? Right? Um, it, tight comb to the top of the head and so it doesn't get frostbite up in here really in the the northeast right oh my gosh when you think of a rooster usually they've got this big like comb on the top of the head and it comes off the head like a couple inches or more right well that is all like tissue and it's just bare and it's out there exposed to our colds and they get frostbite yeah and so oh my gosh I didn't even think of that yeah so when you're selecting a breed for chickens you want to look at your um but they're great for warm weather because it allows them to get a lot of uh surface space to Mm -hmm. kind of cool things off right Mm -hmm. so they're great for a southern breed but they're not brilliant for north yeah and so my rose comb and conas have this tight little comb to the top of their head so frostbite isn't frostbite isn't as big a concern up here for them and they're black with the white specks and the red comb and they're just so like I don't know they're just neat looking yeah. and they're sort of a smaller breed that is an egg laying breed um, most chickens are dual purpose most of them if you got your chickens at Agway it's a dual purpose bird for the most part and they have kind of more of a beefier body mm-hmm. and they lay fairly well but an egg breed, which is like a leghorn or an Ancona, Hamburgs, they're small. They don't have a lot of beef on them. I'm learning so much right right now. This is awesome. So they don't have a lot of beef because you're not going to really eat them as much as you're going to use them for egg production. So they're like egg production machines, right? And so they produce a lot more eggs and they eat a lot less because they're not fattening. Like they're not getting that meaty strength, right? Yeah. So, and they can fly. So they're a little bit like more of a challenge to maintain because you can't just put up a six foot fence and call that a run. Mm. They can fly over, which I love that too, because they just have so much more. There's such a wild energy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That represents like, I think, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't use, well, maybe some sass with you, Amy, but definitely wildness, (laughs) like this beautiful wild energy about you that you are um, confident with. And I love that. So that's really cool that then you're raising chickens just in that similar energy. It's like they say about dogs, right? Like with dogs, you're like your owner. So chickens, like, and I guess it goes the same with other animals. So I have my chickens. (laughs) And I hear such gratitude for them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, like, I so appreciate the ability to partner with them to feed my family. Right. Mm. Because yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's a, just there's just a lot that's unlovely about the way we feed ourselves or the way we take care of ourselves in general, like Definitely. in yeah. all sorts of ways. Um, yeah. uh, and just so that nobody thinks that I think I'm above everyone else. I have central air. Like I'm not like trying to live <laughs> off grid or anything like that. Like I, I use the oil like yes. I am. Okay. But yes. yeah. And so there is, but there is that, I just think we're in an age where you don't have to drive yourself crazy trying to be 
every like like everyone else and pick what everybody else has picked. Yeah. I just think that it's important for you to be thoughtful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. And maybe you're thoughtful about it and you decide not to eat meat because you don't want to go into the spaces that I went into or you don't want to partner with a local farm who's doing brilliantly because you can do that too. You don't have to butcher them yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it or maybe you choose to eat meat and you choose to eat it more responsibly or whatever it is. Like, I think that it's not so much about being what everybody else is or what everybody else thinks that you should be doing. It's figuring out. And I think that that's what you're picking up on with me. I generally pick things because that's what I want to do yeah. and what resonates with yeah, me and kind definitely. of the decision that I've made. Yeah. So when somebody says to me, like, oh, you butcher, I could never butcher. I could never do that. Like, how do you do that? That's like barbaric. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm comfortable with the decision that I made and why I made it. So first of all, they don't actually ever have to understand. They right. can walk away still feeling that about me. So true, And that's Amy. okay. And I like that you're able to say that and you recognize know? that. Right. You know, they can have that reaction. That's fine. They but totally that's, can. That's about, that's their stuff. And exactly. not, and you don't have to be responsible for them. Right. Kind of going back to the whole grief thing you were talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have to. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Like I have made these decisions and I am teachable and I am open. And so when I learned there was a different way to do it and I, I looked into it. Like, is this really as lovely as it sounds? Is this the direction that resonates with me? I'm teachable. I'm open to change. I'm open to learning that what I'm doing has side effects that I didn't know about or whatever. But at the same time, I also am very comfortable in this is the decision that I've made. Mm. I'm open to more information. I'm not just open to your like inflammatory gut reaction to what I'm doing right, right but if you right, know like let's right. have a, like let's, let's have a discussion like, yeah because you are always piece, I love right? that about you you are always open to other people's opinions you yeah. want them you strike me as someone who I've I've always in our conversations you're like Annie have you read this book have you heard about this and this article and you you do your research you yeah. educate yourself Amy and then you make these really empowered choices um, which I think is such in and of itself inspiration for other people to do the same. So in, in receiving that, as you said, I love that comment, inflammatory um, yeah. gut reaction or criticism. It's an opportunity that you have to kind of hold the mirror up and say, hey, well, check this article out, read this book, and then you can decide, you know. Exactly. And, and um, so it's a great, yes, you are very teachable and you're also very um educational in that way so it's yeah. very cool I like to I like I like that sh exchange of, of information and energy and stuff like that so I did um learn how and and how did it go the first time that I actually uh like did the like butchering like the actual kill of yeah. the animal it was pretty intense I will be very honest like uh there was definitely a sort of an energetic sh like shift that I felt and I was very aware that what I just did was um, powerful. Mm. And um, I felt shaky for a little while yeah. afterwards. And not in a, it wasn't, and that's the thing, and I feel so much about emotional things. It, generally, people have an emotional experience and then they assign a label to it. Mm. And I don't really necessarily even now assign a label to what that was because it was definitely not 
fear. It wasn't shame. You know, it wasn't those things that we think bring up a shakiness. Right. It was just the reality. Yeah. Like, it just was. It just, it just what was. It was what it was. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I did that. And then we, you know, plucked the feathers and whatever. And I was, like I said, I was doing this in community with somebody who was comfortable and had already, first of all, had that experience. I wasn't with somebody that was like, I'll just do it. I was with somebody that was like, yeah, it's intense. Truly you honoring it. your space in that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he really held space for me there and I appreciate that so much. And then we we butchered and we plucked it and then um, brought it over to the table to eviscerate it. And it was just, it was, it was like this, but then I look over and then on the, the, the ground near where we butcher, um, not right there further away so that they're not kind of witness to it. The other chickens that were, you know, on deck <laughs> were sitting there and they're pecking at the grass and they're like, you know, hanging out and there's just a couple of them at a time in the cage. So they're not like packed in there or anything like, un- you know, unlovely. And they're just in there and they're pecking at the grass and whatever. And I'm like, they don't have any idea. And that's kind of the way it should be for animals in this sort of situation. Like we don't need to like make it miserable like there is this circle of life thing there is this Mm. like being fed this nourishment this thing and it was really kind of like okay actually this is really okay and I the shakiness kind of dissipated and I was like okay this is this is what I'm choosing to do because I'm choosing to have chicken on my table and this is how I'm choosing to do it Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and I certainly have bought chicken from other like farms and vendors like I've bought meat from other vendors and stuff I don't just exclusively take care of my own meat at this point for a while I was and at this point I still do provide a lot of my own meat but not exclusively exclusive. yeah because again it's this community yeah yeah and and it doesn't have to be this isolation sort of space it's like yeah I am capable yeah if I needed to I now know that I could provide my family with meat on the table all by myself which is really powerful right yeah and there's also some awesome people in the area that are doing an amazing job and respect the animals and treat them well and respect the chickenness of the chicken and the pigness of the pig. And they look at what do they what do they eat? What do they need to eat? How do they need to be cared for? How much space do they need to live a happy, comfortable life? Those are the kinds of things you want to ask your local farmer. Yeah. Because then you can feel like... Because to me, that's also the energy of what you then eat. Right. And and there's like that whole piece of nutrition. Sure. um, And the nourishment, that core nourishment. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Where did your food come from and how how did it live? So energetically, what was its experience through this world? Right. And then you're getting to absorbing that. Absorb that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was another little sort of chapter. And I still maintain to the level that I feel comfortable doing those things. Uh, and and still this entrepreneur spark in there. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm going to do this. So yeah. I'm stepping into it. I'm learning. Here I'm I good. go. Right. Yeah. Um, and then that led me to, okay, well, what do you put on your body? You know, you're paying attention to what you're putting in your body. What do you put on your body? How are you maintaining your health? How are you handling little things as they come up in the world, right? And so I started looking into options and tried a couple of different things, one of which was actually essential oils and was super underwhelmed. I was like, 
this is not working. Mm-hmm. So I actually mm-hmm. settled on uh, herbs for a long time. Yeah. Making my own cough syrup and, you know, my own like steam stuff for like respiratory things and all of this. And so I was having a lot of fun with that and it was kind of DIY-ish and well, clearly that, yeah. that appeals yep. to me, right? I was right? like, yeah. DIY, DIY-ish for anyone who doesn't know is do it yourself. Yes, so that's exactly, exactly what Amy's been <laughs> embodying. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, uh, introduced to doTERRA essential oils and that like I couldn't not have them in my life like I experienced them the first time and there was just such this powerful connection to what I had in that bottle I'm like this needs to be in my life and why do you think this time versus the first time you experienced essential oils I when definitely, you said you were just kind of like yeah I definitely think part of it was the quality of the oil Uh, because that's huge. And again, going back, I love this, going back to the energy piece of kind of like, how did your animal get to your plate? Well, how did your essential oil get to the bottle? Yeah. Like, was it grown in a proper way? Was it distilled in a proper way? Is the only thing in that bottle an essential oil? Or has it been diluted? Has it been cut? Has it had things happen to it along the way chemically? all of that plays into how it works and just like how your food and Mm -hmm. then how this essential oil. So I do think a piece of it was certainly the quality of the oil uh, for sure. And um, what was the first one that you tried from doTERRA that you were like, ah, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm doing this. It was deep blue. Oh yes. Which is a wonderful blend for joint and muscle support. And I had had, um, a little situation with my ankle that had left it pretty uncomfortable temporarily, but very uncomfortable. And so, um, I applied some and had immediate shift in that sensation. And so I was like, Whoa, Mm. what's, Whoa, I haven't had this before. And not to say that everybody has that exact same, like you could put deep blue on something and maybe you still don't have the same, like profound shift that I had. I know my belief is that no one has the same experience because of your right. own body chemistry. Sure. And right. Yeah, makeup, Just like so. no, but nobody has the same parents. Right. 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 Like, right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I put that on and it was like, okay, there's something, there's something to this and mm-hmm. I need these in my life. And so I got my sort of first little starter kit and I was like, okay, I have this farm and I have the, um, the other business that I maintain and I've got these two And what's kids. the name of that? But is that still It's occurring? Zuzi's. Okay, so it's, at the end, I'll want you to yeah, do okay. a little shout out for yourself. Perfect. I was curious. Okay. The tool, instead of saying, yes. just saying the tool. So yes. yes, so Zuzi's. So I still had Zuzi's. Okay. And um, yeah, if we have time later, I'll tell you about the name because I know I'm like, like tools and Zuzi, like whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Every time I call a machine shop, it's, you know, I know they're laughing at me when they hang up the phone, but anyway, they remember you. Though. They do. That's the best part. <laughs> hey, exactly. You got to be remembered. So, um, the, so I got the oils. I was not interested in any business aspects. I had a business that was pretty thriving and it kept me busy. I had two girls and they were young and being homeschooled and blah, blah. And so I had all this other stuff. So, the business didn't attract me at all. And the person who shared doTERRA with me, it really attracted them. And so they were very like, have you considered? I'm like, yeah, you know what? No, no, I <laughs> no really, thank you. No, yeah. not at all. And 
I, I just went about my daily life, living life and using my oils and being that connector and being that sharer and being that person. Who that you naturally to, are. Right? Yes. <laughs> I ended up sharing with lots of other people that it resonated with just as much. And so then I realized, well, wait a second. I know enough about this business to know that what I'm doing is actually the business. Like I know By that- sharing. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I should probably call this person back and find out- how, how does this work so that I can, you know, if I'm going to do it, even if it's so like organically and lightly, I should at least figure out how does this work? Right. So I called up and I got a meeting with him and he explained everything to me. And I was like, Oh, this is brilliant. This isn't anything that I thought it was. This is community building. This is health and wellness. Like this is like creating a community of people who are going to feel better and be excited. And then they're supporting each other and there's money in it. Like, which expands everything else right? you've been doing the previous yeah. years, so which is like so perfect. Clear. Yeah. Like, that's the next step. So I have been working um, with doTERRA from a business perspective for about three years and have created a wonderful community of uh, essential oil users in the New Hampshire area, as well as I've got people down in Florida and New York, and uh, we've got some people out in California, like all of, we've got a, you know, quite a few people up in Canada now that work with us. And so, that is so exciting. right, exactly. That's it's amazing. just expanded, yeah. but it kind of like, when I was thinking about the whole thing, the realization for me is I wanted more peace in my life because mm. I've been doing a lot. But in all of that, I didn't always feel great, mm, even like though... Physically, emotionally, mentally. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, I kind yeah. of had a lot of stuff I was just carrying around and stuff. And I came to the space of, I want more peace in my life. And I saw the essential oils definitely supporting that and then having come a little closer to the earth as far as my food had supported that. And like my decisions had supported that, but where was I going from here? Mm. And I got really clear on it and kind of have a little, like, I feel like where does peace come from? And for me, my observation of the world is it comes from people who are feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially well. And when you have wellness in those areas, generally you have a fairly peaceful person. Mm, definitely. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a millionaire and you have to have perfect health. And you have, you know, like it's not about perfection. Uh, I work with a woman, Tiffany Peterson. She's brilliant. If you haven't ever checked her out, Tiffany Peterson, it's the Lighthouse Principles. Uh, she's amazing. But mm, she's always telling us it's progress, not perfection, right? That's one of my favorite mantras. Right? I love yes, it. Yes. And I love it. And it is. It's like, it's not perfect. Like, I don't have perfect health. I don't have perfect finances. I don't have perfect spiritual walk. Like, you know, it's not perfect, but it's progress. And the more I make that progress, the more peace that I have and not because I've achieved or attained, but because I'm like, I, I have this, like, I don't know, like just a new level of understanding and acceptance, you know, mm, definitely. and some level of empowerment. Like if you don't feel empowered to change your situation, do you ever have peace? Like, no, because you really feel like you can't change it anyway. And it feels kind of lousy. And so I really like to empower people, like you were saying before, because I just, their life is going to look different than mine, but 
I want them to enjoy the life that they can have. Yeah, definitely. And not necessarily just do this because it's the next thing, because it's the next thing. It's because what your parents want. It's because what your teachers right. want, whatever. And certainly there are people that have a ton of peace in that space of they went to college, they got the degree, they got the job, they got the kids, they got the yeah. spouse. They got, yep. And that's good too. But it is like, where are you and where do you want to be? And how are you like, what's it going to take to get there? And what step are you going to take next to get there? Right. right. And are you living a life that feels joyful and peaceful and yeah. where you're feeling empowered in all those steps and choices? Do you feel like, Amy, you've always had that mindset? Because to me, I think of, okay, there's that mindset of, I think there's some people who are naturally born with that, with the idea of, um, of a little bit more optimism and vision forward vision thinking and the ability that you had to say, you know, I, I really want to create and live in more peace um, right. and then empowering yourself to do that. And then there are people who are at the other end of the spectrum who are naturally born a little bit more victim mode of feeling powerless, um, unsure, doubtful. I think we all ebb and flow between yeah. those. It's not to say again, it's like you're all, all of one or the other. Right. Um, and I do believe people have the power to shift the mindset so do you think that you were born a little bit more um, naturally of, of one who likes to, to be empowered and do it, do it yourself? And um, I definitely think that there's always, well, I believe that the curiosity has always been a piece of like, it's me, right? That yes. curiosity. So I definitely Alive. think that. However, I have not always thought that I had choices mm. and I haven't always thought that life could be better. And I'm glad I didn't say where I worked for the first five years after high school because I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> so I'm in, I'm working at this job. It's a corporate job and it was a really good position to get at the age that I was. And I felt really honored to be there. And it got to the point where I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like who I was working with. I didn't like anything about the job. So I had to get up every day and go to this place that I really didn't like. Mm. And I actually got to the point where I would get physically ill some wow. mornings. Like Talk about vomit, your body talking to you. Right? Yeah. Before going to work. And it, I, and it was funny because my mom is not necessarily typically like this, but she definitely has that spark in her too, where she was like, totally thinking outside the box for me when I wasn't able to do it for myself. And she's like, Amy, you're miserable. And you have an opportunity now to do something different. Like this job isn't for you. You're not married. You don't have children. You don't need the insurance. You don't need the, you know, all the excuses we come up with, which I still at this stage in my life think that you can overcome any of those things that I just listed. However, if you don't have those things, whoa, blank right. slate, right? Wide right. open. Like, let's make a different choice. And she's like- And how great that your mom could, right? could just step up and, and yeah. just call you out on it and right? say that. Exactly. And, and so, you were able to hear it. Some yeah. people wouldn't be able to hear it. I know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And it was almost like she gave me permission to step into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure, I wanted to do something different, but it's a good paying job. Nobody walks away from a good paying job. Yeah. Like that's She was giving was you this told, nudge to step you know? out of your comfort zone. And, yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, you should go to college. And I'm like, what? Like my mom did not graduate from college. She went for, I think, a semester, maybe a year, but she didn't continue it. It was not her path. My dad does have a degree or a, yeah, a degree um, in like trade school, okay. but neither one of them went to a four year college. So I knew nothing about that. That wasn't my like pattern, you know, like it wasn't the family pattern. So it was just kind of like mind blown when mom said go to college. Yeah. I'm like, 
what? Yeah. And so that like, had you never considered it before then? Or you, did you just not think it was, maybe it wasn't just not an option. I, I thought, well, I didn't go when I graduated. Okay. That's when everybody right. goes to college. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that's, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow steps up. Is your right? outlining. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so I didn't take that step. I took this step. And so you stay in this job until you die and wow. you can be miserable. Right. Like that's just part of work, right? Yeah. You're just miserable. It's just fine. I'll just have a good social life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and were you having a good social life? I did actually okay, have a good. pretty good social life in my good. early twenties for sure. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, it was the first opportunity to see that. And it is, like I said, kind of funny that my mom had said that because that wasn't necessarily the way that we had kind of always done things in our family pattern. But so, um, and I'm not even actually sure how we got on this. What, I know, I love it. Well, you were talking about um, just the mindset and the yeah, feeling so, empowered versus you right. know, victim. And that at that point, it was like, whoa, yeah, I can and then I think it did just start this chain reaction of, well, what's possible? Yeah, that's and it's, a beautiful question. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't set out to be like, I'm going to just do it different. Yeah, right. I it's not like this. I end like, up doing it different a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But that's not like, it's not, not like this to be a ego or thing, ego, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to do it different, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. the man, whatever. Like, no, it's, I just realized, oh, okay, I can do this. And then when we were given opportunity to go to the group home, it's like, I don't know if I can do that, but I probably can do anything for a year. Like that's what we came up with, my husband yeah. and I. Like that was the the decision making thing. We can do this for at least a year. We I can love do it. anything for a year. Yeah. And that was kind of the commitment they wanted, obviously. Keeps you so present. the kids weren't yeah. kind of tossed about and whatever. And um yeah, so since then I do often say, you know, can I do this for a year? <laughs> yes, that's great. Um but yeah, I don't feel like I was I certainly wasn't raised with a, you know, do something different. It, mm-hmm. And I certainly wasn't discouraged from it, right. but I certainly wasn't necessarily like my parents aren't, you know, rule breakers or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and then I also, um, like, I just thought easy path, right? You take the path of least resistance. And, and now I don't really ever take the path of least resistance. However, I'm finding that the more I'm just open to what is this path and where will it take me uh, and not necessarily needing to know where it will take me, but like, what is this path option right here? Yeah. It actually like a path of least resistance is actually not really like a necessary thing. You know what I mean? Like the resistance yeah. piece becomes different. It's like when people say the path of least resistance, they usually mean the easiest, the easiest. Right? right. Well, that's the association. Right. But for you, I, I don't, that doesn't, no. that, that kind of comment, it's more of you, like you might recognize that there, Hey, there's going to be some, I guess res- resistance is a funny word. I see it more as like just challenge and yes. can I rise through this and how can I ask for more support or how can I get through it to help me grow? Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is the resistance piece. Like I I actually really question if I have resistance on something. Yeah. Like if, you know, if, if this feels, if this feels wrong and not the, the right space for me, I'll listen to that. I was going to say that's but beautiful intuition that you have. Piece. If there's resistance, then yeah. that's usually a sign of maybe this isn't the right step. Right. Yeah. But it's like, that's not about being easy. Yes. Yeah. It's different. Right. Exactly. So I still do take the path of least resistance, you know, like right. I don't jump into a resistance space, but I do jump into, Hey, 
this is the next point and I'm just going to see where this goes and be open to it. But yeah, I don't think I was just inherently born that way per se. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have always been fairly curious and it was kind of annoying as a child for my poor parents because it, <laughs> it wasn't qu- curiosity then. It was definitely much more like questioning. Like, like why, 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 why do I have why, to do that? That's so funny. Yeah. My uh, son and I were just talking about that recently because we were spending (laughs) vacation time with my my brother and family. And um, so my four and a half year old nephew is very much in that why phase. And it was so beautiful because um, I'm just sidetracking us for a second. Oh, that's fine. um, I love, like, I believe that most children are innately curious. And I, my... My hope as a mom, but also just in the community I'm in and is like, let's just, let's keep that curiosity alive and, and just help it continue to grow and expand. Um, but then when this four and a half year old's like, why, 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 why? And, and my son, who's now nine and a half, is like, gosh, he says why a lot. And, and sometimes mom, it was so cute. He's like, I remember going through that phase. I, I think that it's just partly because he wants to just be engaged and in conversation with someone. And I was like, that is such a beautiful observation and so true. And, and anyway, so I, I just thought, I just felt like I would share that little moment. Um, because right. I can imagine your parents being like, Oh gosh. <laughs> right. I love, I love that you shared that because that is so like you, like clearly <laughs> your children are like being very well parented in your truth because that's so you, I think like, oh, how come and why? And can I put myself in that position long enough to figure out what's going to be like how to engage in this and understand it? And I think that you're brilliant at that. And I love that (laughs) about you. you Thank you. Because yeah, it is. You you hold space really well. And you're clearly teaching him to hold space Mm. because he was able to put himself outside of himself and be like, oh, this is how he feels. Oh, well, maybe now I can engage him in a conversation that doesn't include why, right? Mm, thank you. That's I sweet. love that. Yeah, his compassion so, is, is truly a part of him. So thank you. Yes. So back to you and your curiosity <laughs> and your, as a childhood or in the childhood and then yeah. where it is now. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think that really I always did have the curiosity piece and it was very inflammatory as a younger person. And I carried that why right through to teenager, like questioned everything. And my mom said that at one point she realized her role in my life was to make sure that I was safe because <laughs> I was going to do what I was going to do. She probably quickly <laughs> learned, right? right? Like, okay, yes. there's no, as long as she's safe. Yeah, that's right? great. And she's like, but yeah. And it, she, but she said, I never questioned that you would be okay. Like I always knew, like it may be not easy. You may go through difficulties and all of that. But she said, I never wondered, is she going to be okay? Mm, like That's and, awesome. Yeah. So that was really cool. It's been neat. So my mother works with me with doTERRA. And so it's I been really cool to have that relationship with your mom and see her differently too and yeah. see her like her strengths as well as the things that make that you know that come up for her right yeah, yeah. and so because I tell people so if you want a course in personal development <laughs> join doTERRA especially yeah, so for the business you, perspective um, I want to hear more about working with your mom because I think that's such a beautiful piece. And I want to back up and just have you share to listeners who may not understand what an essential oil is. And then um, when you say work with your mom and doTERRA, like what is that picture? What is working in doTERRA look like? Yeah. So the work of doTERRA is really just sharing with people the opportunity to be more healthy and well in those areas, the physical, the emotional primarily, but also the financial and the spiritual on a lot of levels, because a lot of people, whether whatever your spirituality is, 
a lot of people don't tap into that as well or as fully as they could because the physical, the mental, the financial clouds it, right? yes. And so when you start to get more peace in some of these other areas, it opens up the others, right? And so basically with doTERRA, I'm sharing with people how to use an essential oil and how to listen to their bodies and understand what their body is telling them. I love this. It so aligns with right? corners, yeah. which is why, it, yeah, I love why, that we're connecting yes, now. We are. On exactly. Um, but yeah, and sort of just like, because people a lot of times feel kind of lousy on a daily basis right. and they just chalk it up to, I'm stressed, I'm 40. Right. I'm I've 50. always felt this way. I I've haven't always, known any other way. Right. 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 Or my parents feel lousy yep. or, you know, genetics. Gene- yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there's a lot of reasons that we give for why we feel lousy. But the reality is, is if you feel lousy, there is a core something that's a little bit off, right? And there's a lot of different ways to get there. And I'm not going to say essential oils, obviously, is the only way to have a beautiful, peaceful life where you feel well physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially at all. However, it's a powerful layer. It completely has the ability to do that. And so that's what I do as I share that opportunity with other people on whatever level they want. Maybe it's they want to use a few oils to feel a little bit better at work every day. Maybe they want to overhaul their health and wellness and they really want to dive deeper and do, you know, and really supplement their health regimen and that sort of thing. Or maybe they do want to take that information that they've learned and then go out and share it with other people Mm -hmm. and wherever they are in that that's kind of my role is just offer it and support and you know help and that sort of thing so that's what I do and that's what my mother does and she's on my team and And essential oil what is an essential oil versus like you know olive oil or coconut oil or other oils you see great question yeah so essential oils are natural aromatic compounds that are found in plants so basically they're plant chemistry So they're the chemical construction, like the chemical elements inside the plant. And so they're extracted either through, for doTERRA at least, cold pressed or uh, steam distillation. There are chemical distillation methods as well, uh, but that's different. A pure essential oil is um, distilled those ways. And so then it's distilled, put into a bottle, and now you can access it very easily instead of, but if you've ever taken a peppermint leaf or any like basil mm-hmm, or anything, mm-hmm. you've rubbed it between your that. fingers, yeah. yep. smelled it. It's like, oh, you just you actually just extracted yeah. and used aromatically essential oils. So Perfect. that's one of the ways to use essential oils is aromatic. So yeah, you get a chance to um, use those plant chemistries to interact with the body. And so why is that so powerful? Well, our bodies understand those chemicals because they are chemicals. And we have this sort of nasty, you know, like sneer when we say chemical now, right? Because there's so many harmful synthetic chemicals. Right. But a natural very different chemical from. is, I mean, you're made up of chemicals yeah. and the plants are too. So you take this natural chemical and you interact with your body with it in one way or another and essential oils uh, doTERRA essential oils can be used aromatically topically and even internally Um, not all essential oils can be used all three ways so you have to really read the bottle and know what you're doing and stuff like that but that's how you can use doTERRA so you can use them in any of those three ways and when you do the body responds really positively to those oils because they sort of know each other right? So chemically, there's this relationship. And so that is kind of how they work a little bit. Um, And then why we use them is because of the fact that they're natural. And so there's, you know, you don't have those 
strong side effects and stuff like that that you can get um, with other sort of synthetics that you would use in your life. So using them um, on a daily basis is amazing because they, they are, they're just so supportive. Totally. I would agree. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So going back to working with your mom then with all of this and, um, cause you were starting to talk about that. Yeah. Well, it's just been amazing because like, well, now we're both fully adults. Like I'm, I'm in my forties and I think that prior to my forties, I still felt, I still don't really feel like an adult, but technically like no one would question if you're in your 40s that you are an adult. People will have opinions on whether right. or not the Society, 20s are. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, some yeah. people are kind of curmudgeons about the 30s. But yeah, at 40, I'm solidly an adult, right? And she is too. And we're doing this life together <laughs> as adults, yeah. yet I'm her daughter, right? right? And yeah. so like and she's, she's your mom the whole time, right? <laughs> exactly. So it is, it's really neat. But it is also like she, because I'm in my 40s, just like, chronologically she's clearly in her 60s somewhere right um so she but I think that at this stage in her life it's giving her an opportunity to get to know herself in a different way than Mm. she's known herself all along too right because we're always doing that we're always getting to know ourselves better right or we always learning about different aspects of ourselves and yeah. yeah and so she's getting to know herself and I'm getting to know myself and then she's seeing shifts and changes in me. I'm seeing them in her. That changes the relationship sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you have always had a pattern of relationship and that pattern changes, even if it's for the better, it can also be a little bit sketchy, right? In those transition times and stuff like that. So it has been really neat to help to facilitate for her holding that space Mm. to see more of who she is as a human and she's clearly holding that space for me. So there's this like symbiotic like dance you know? that's happening. Yeah. That's beautiful. And she's it also is. getting it's to cool. experience you in a different light as her daughter. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining <laughs> that she is so incredibly beyond words proud of you, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful dance and an experience that you two have, um, chosen to yeah. jump into together. Exactly. So, so yeah. it is. It's really fun. And I do have a lot of fun with her, even though she generally thinks that she probably just frustrates me. She really doesn't. Like, there are times, but yeah, yeah. like, yeah, we have a really good relationship. And she happens to live next door. Oh, wow. So, yeah, okay. there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of mom time in my yeah. world. Yeah, yeah that's so, great. Yeah, that's it is. It's really neat. Yeah. And she's all about being a grandmother. Like, that is like, her heart is like mm. so like full about being a grandmother. And so she has a grandson that lives in Tennessee, which is challenging, right? Because yeah. the distance. Yeah. And then she's got the two girls that live right next, next door. door. Yes. Oh, which so, must just make her heart yeah. so happy. It is. It's really neat for her and my dad. So That's and it's awesome. neat for me. Like I grew up um with a wide range of ages in my family. Like my great grandparents I was I was an adult when I lost my great grandmother. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so not forties though. Are you are you no, talking to an adult? Well, I'm yeah. just I'm I was, teasing I was you in those like I was in that child adult stage <laughs> yes. of twenties or yeah. so. Um no, I think I was actually in my thirties. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, so she was super important part of all of our lives and all of my great grandparents were. And I knew all of them on my dad's side of the family, um, not on my mom's side. Mm. I knew my grandparents on my mom's side. Um, but I love generations. I yeah. love that opportunity. And even though sometimes I will be honest, it kind of frustrates me the whole like, well, 
it would have been nice if you were that laid back about that when I was a kid, Ma. Right. You know, like with <laughs> right. the grandchildren. When right? you like, witness that, have that right? right? But um, but I love that. I love because when you're at different stages in your life, you are able to have different relationships with people too, right? And so mm-hmm. my kids having the opportunity to have my much more mellow and chilled out grand uh, dad, you know, because <laughs> yes. uh, he dad's super important to me and always has been a very important part of my life. And we partnered together with that business and whatnot. But I love that he's retired. He's kind of more laid back. He's had his journey that's brought him to where he is. So he like goes on walks with my Mm. kids and make sure he brings a snack in his shirt pocket. And you know, like all of that kind of stuff. He gets to be present with them in a different way than he was probably able to be present with you, even though he was present with you, but a very different. Yeah, because he was working, whatever. So it is, it's really neat for them to have those generational things. And I think generations are so important and I love that. So Yeah. yeah their generational um, experience. So they have their grandparents and they have their great grandparents. So my dad's parents are still alive. And wow, yeah, that's so amazing, I saw my grandparents. That's, that's amazing, awesome. right? Yeah. yeah. It's so that's such a gift. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm getting this picture of your, I've never actually been to your house, but just like, just such a beautiful like commune, like community that you've created. You've mentioned that word a lot in this um, chat yes. so far. And I see that, you know, I see that around you everywhere. You know, I run into you everywhere. I, you know, <laughs> almost everyone I feel like I'm connected to knows you somehow. I love that. Um, and, and I'm imagining like your little farm and, you know, your husband, your two girls and your parents nearby. Um, when you are off doing, because you, you are like, you're a busy woman. And one of the things <laughs> yes, that, am. that I really appreciate about you, Amy, is, is knowing and witnessing your, you use the word, um, scatteredness I think it was the word you used earlier when we were chatting before this um and not sure like gosh what are we going to talk about because there's sometimes it just feels so scattered and I was like you know what Amy and I'm just saying this out to all you listeners I love that because that's that's how I feel about myself sometimes and I'll get that people be like um Annie what exactly do you do you do so many different things and how do you keep track and and do it all and you know and I'm like well it's not about doing it all it's just that I I have so many passions and I love I love it all and it all really to me fits under this umbrella of health and wellness and with you what you would label as your scatteredness um there's, it's not scattered in my view. It's it's you living your purpose, your passion, your mission, your creativity and curiosity just coming alive. Um, when you are in that role as Amy Entrepreneur, um, who's home with, with your... Because you mentioned homeschooling <laughs> yeah, earlier. Right. So are your girls still homeschooled? Yeah, they are. Okay. And your they parents are. are nearby, but your yeah. mom's also working with you, doTERRA. So yes. yeah. can I have a... Can you paint a little image of your like, I guess, day-to-day life in that way. Sure. Yeah. My husband is the rock. He like holds it all together. Like my husband is a um, stay home dad as far as work, like sort of piece. But um, when I say that, like it, he has his passions as well that he definitely dives into and does other things as, as well. But as far as like a career um, sort of work space, he takes care of our children and homeschools them. Um, primarily. And so how was it coming to that decision as a couple? Yeah. So it kind of was a logical decision and it seemed like something that was going to be temporary that has just really shown itself as this is where this is, this is it for right now. Um, And yeah, so I was, I had employed someone to do the shipping for Zuzi's so that I could take care of my first daughter when she was born. Um, 
so I had this employee and she was working with me and she was with me for about two and a half years. And then she was ready to transition. Her daughter, her kids had moved schools and it wasn't as convenient anymore to come to my location and whatnot. And so we were set with the option. He was working for a private school that was also downsizing. And so we were kind of at this space of, well, he could come home and take care of the kids. And then I can still be there with the kids. Cause it's not like, well, he takes care of them and then I'm never around. Right. 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 So he's, but he's the primary caregiver. Like he's the, he's the man that we know is going to be there with them. Right. And then I'm in there too. And so we can either do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then I will take over the responsibilities, keep that money in our pocket. So it's kind of like, um, the money that we would have lost from his job was now kind of made up by mm-hmm. not paying that out, whatever. Right. So it was kind of like a financial decision initially. And then um, realizing pretty quickly he, his ability, he is a rock. He's like very stable and steady. And mm. he um, doesn't, he's not as, um, he's passionate. He has a lot of interests, but unlike me, he, like, I feel like I, need to get out and I need to put it out in the world. He doesn't have that same level of need in that Mm -hmm, sort of way. mm -hmm. So he's able to do the things he's excited about with the children in a different way than me. And so it really has continued to work and we're both open to when it doesn't work, you know, like talk about it, what we'll do and how we shift and whatnot. And we have a couple of things that we would like to implement in the next you know few months to a year for our just our family structure and stuff like Mm -hmm. that as far as that goes and just logistics and support and extra help and hands and whatever but as far as why we came to that conclusion it really was initially he loved being a dad and he was as excited about being as a dad as I was about being a mom he named our children Mm -hmm. I did not um (laughs) like yeah I didn't have any strong opinion of what it should be and he really did and he was very excited about naming our children and the responsibility of it and stuff. So he named our girls and was super excited about being a dad and was there every step of the way, like all the the prenatal visits, everything. Mm -hmm. And so then we had the kids and he loved being with them just as much as I did. And um, so we were like, all right, well, this will work for now. The baby is a baby. And then we've got this, you know, toddler-ish because they're about two and a half years apart. Mm -hmm. So we're going to let this happen for now. And he's going to do the child's care. Yes. Space. Yeah. And then it got to the point where we're like, okay, well, we're going to be educating them. And we've always been very attracted to homeschooling because of the flexibility mm-hmm. and the, um, the ability to follow the child as opposed to the child following the system. So yeah. again, yeah. Right? so yeah. It, I, maybe it's a lot more inherently in me. Yeah, I admit, I, yeah, you know, but yeah, it's like this is the path, right? You you send them to daycare, then you send them to kindergarten, and then they go to school, and then you know, and we were like, ah, doesn't that's not really what we want, you know? And so, and we had known other people who had homeschooled all the way through high school, even. So it wasn't right. just like we knew a couple other people that were going to homeschool. Like we had seen this this community for our yeah. life, yeah, because um, we knew people that were homeschooling their high school kids when we were just in just getting married, you know. Okay, yeah. So this was kind of something we had seen, and so we were like, well, that's a kind of a cool model. And so when my oldest was getting ready for the school aged p- space, my husband was like, well. Let's see how it goes. Like, let's try this. And it's working out brilliantly. They take very well to homeschooling. He's 
the job that he was working was at a school. And so he was oh, teaching wow. high school, so he, right? Yeah. 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 And so that's so not his degree he, per se. Like his, uh, he was working in a private school, so he didn't need to have a teacher's degree. Mm-hmm. But he's very, he's a teacher. Like yeah, that's just heart. what he does, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so he was doing that with them and, uh, and enjoying it, loving it, sounds it like, you know, yeah. and getting a lot out of it. And they were responding well to it. So, they are um, 10 and 7, and so we've gone through about th- four years of yeah. homeschooling, and it's still working really well. And they love the flexibility, and we have talked to them before about other schooling options, mm-hmm. and the oldest is in, in particular, more than the little one right now. And she really likes the flexibility and the ability to kind of follow her path and her interests. So it works well for us. And so he does that. And so when I'm going to be gone in September for a convention for doTERRA, as well as some other trainings that are out there, I'm going to be gone for about 20 days. Oh, wow. And I've done this one other time too, last September. And everybody's always like, well, who's going to take care of those kids? Right. It's and amazing. Like, I was with the children. So this is the aspect. Yeah. husband alone with the kids for 20 days? Right. Like, yep. You know, because he's their parent, you know, he's not the babysitter. How, so let, can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Because sure. societally, right, there are, I like to believe things, I've witnessed things shifting a lot. And I, I do know other families where it's similar, where the, the dad or the partner is the primary care caregiver, not just the, you know, the typical like female role, nurturer, yeah. nurturing mother. I see a lot of other men with that nurturance as well as that whole feminine masculinity within both, within both sexes. So, right. um, but for you, that, that choice to, to step into kind of the guest, to use an old term, like the breadwinner, you know, right. kind of, um, and then to be choosing to go away for 20 days to really fuel that part of that aspect of yourself. And, and there's so many brilliant things about that. Does guilt come up for you um, ever um, as a mom and, and that desire to be with your girls more or, or with your, you know, with your husband or I'm curious to know the, those masculine feminine roles for both of you. And it sounds like you guys, I mean, just what you've shared, you really clearly talk about it and you're communicative and you see it as an ever evolving. It's not like, okay, these are our roles and therefore forever, this is the way it's going to be. So, Yeah, but to go back, what what yeah. would you say is your experience? So, um, yeah, well, I kind of ended up in that breadwinner role sort of accidentally, right? Because we had this business that was definitely sustaining us financially with no issues whatsoever. Um, and so it made no sense for him to like really do anything else specific because he didn't have anything specifically from a uh, job perspective that he mm-hmm. was passionate about. He has other passions, but not necessarily that he had this job that he wanted to do. And so we sort of fell into the breadwinner role, if you will, mm-hmm. accidentally because I just happened upon this idea that became a, you know, a self-sustaining business. Um, and then he did start working at that school for a couple of years because he was passionate about the educational opportunities that the school was providing and he had some skill sets to offer. And so he did that more out of, again, a passion and a drive, just like me, yeah. as opposed to, I need to do this X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then we now are in a space where well, and actually, which is really funny. So I had this job that w- was definitely brilliant, right? Like I work from home and I just ship product and mm-hmm. whatever. I definitely went through a, a time. And I think that this was when I made the shift of 
Like, what is my role? Because I definitely had a time that I honestly, um, I don't know that I've ever met this before. I was just angry that mm. I was the breadwinner. Oh yeah. And Which it's like, it's so great that you can say that out loud. Right. I imagine there are a lot of people who can relate to that. Yeah. Cause it's like, there's Feeling this resentful. pressure, right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the money's always coming in, but what if it doesn't like, and this was back before, like I did a lot of my own work. So I used to worry for like, just that, that does come from my family, like worrying just for the fun, fear of, right. you know, like yeah. recreational worrying. <laughs> That's a great term. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> How many of you out there listening can relate to that? Yeah. Right? yeah. So I was definitely a recreational worrier. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 there was no problem. The money was coming in. There was no indication that it wouldn't come in. But every month I'd be like, I don't know if there's more money next month, mm. you know? And and that's the crazy, right? So that you can get into this mental, like, crazy space where yeah. there isn't, there's no bear in the room. Like, there's no danger. <laughs> right. Like, stop acting like there's danger. There isn't. Yeah. Uh, which I'm much better about now. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't then. And I got really angry about it. I'm like, why do I have to be the one to make the money? And it's like, mm. wah, wah, Amy, why are you the one that came up with an idea that sustains your family's finances? Mm. You know, cry mm-hmm. me a river, right? And there was a bit of that with myself too. Like I'd, I'd vacillate between being angry and being like just sort of disgusted with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'm picturing these like two voices on each totally. shoulder. And exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that I think is when I realized that um, that, that was my role, you know, like, my husband uh, certainly can do, like he can go out and provide for us should that be the case that it's necessary. Yeah. However, because I am always putting myself in these positions or finding myself in these positions, this is my path. I come into these situations and they're brilliant and it's so much fun. Like to spend your days helping other people feel brilliant like mm. an amazing and like have a new life. Like, yeah, come that's on, that's amazing. not work. Yeah. So right. when I finally was able to kind of shift out of that, like, I don't know, ego or whatever it was that was putting me in that space and be like, you got a brilliant life. And then it was easier for me to be like, okay, I'm the breadwinner and I'm not mad about it. What helped you shift through that? I think that's what it, I just think it's really been personal aware development work, you know, like the personal yeah. work that I've done over the last couple of years to understand more. And so that, okay, so that's the thing. What led me to the personal development work? Because mm-hmm. that's actually, yeah. and it will cycle back to the masculine feminine thing okay. in a minute, okay? I had this business and it was brilliant for a very long time. And it's definitely a slower business than it once was just because of the nature of everything. In addition, I didn't know how to be a business person. I knew how to fulfill an order, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more to business than mm, that. Yeah. And I didn't know that, but I didn't know that I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so I had these things about my business that were really not brilliant the way that it was being run because I didn't know any different because it was an accident, Yeah, which we can go into that whether or not it was, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so when I realized that, and then I had started this doTERRA thing and was seeing that as a business, I was like, whoa, wait a second. I already feel inadequate with this business. Mm. Now I'm starting a second one. You got to get some ducks in a row, lady. Like Mm. you can't do this to yourself twice, Mm. you know? And so then that's when I started reading a lot of books that like I will recommend to other people and stuff like that because it's like, well, how do you, like, what's the mindset of an entrepreneur? Mm. Because we had said this in the car. I didn't know I was one. I didn't even know what the term meant. And so I was just this girl that didn't know what she was doing half the time. And feeling like you were failing. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And really feeling like I was failing at a lot of different parts, especially there were a couple of years there when I was 
having kids and I would be late on shipping things and I'd get angry emails and like, it's just, you know, and I didn't know to ask for help. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And the personal development work has allowed me to realize that I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's okay. You know, and you don't have to be perfect to look at it differently. Right. Right. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, Because that's what's brought you to be the brilliant entrepreneur that you are now. Yeah, exactly. And so I did that and uh, realized that. And then I also just, there's just been a lot of things that I've realized through the personal development that it was like, okay, this was kind of challenging before because I just didn't know, but it's okay because now you know. Right. And so... That was a piece of it. And then realizing that because I was in this breadwinner role and probably partly because of my experience in the past as well, um, just kind of sort of the more masculine energy. I just tend to have a more masculine energy. And I always like used to look at these cute little like wisp of a girl that was just so feminine and Mm. beautiful and her hair would just like fall on her shoulder and whatever. And I was like, don't understand how she does that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it wasn't even that I didn't think I was pretty enough or I didn't like my body or, you know, like it wasn't even getting into that space. It would just be like, I'd look at people that were like, just graceful. Like it's the energy around Yeah, that. And I'm just like, how does she do that? Like <laughs> graceful. And my oldest is graceful. Like just, mm, she's like that. Yeah. And yeah. like, I have no idea where it comes from. I don't know. But it was always, I always kind of had more of a masculine energy and a get the job done energy. And I think in this society, we're starting to shift that women can get the job done and that's still feminine. Yeah. Right. uh, right. There's softness around that too. Sure. Yeah. Um, But I was definitely much more in that masculine space. And it was funny. It was about, I think it was a year and a half ago, I had a business coach and he's like, I want you to spend the next week interacting more with your feminine energy. (laughs) And what was your reaction? <laughs> I'm like, and I like the guy a lot. And so I like respect him. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure out this feminine energy thing. And so I get off the phone. I'm like, okay, cool. So I get, and it's, it's a man that's telling me yeah, this, by the way. Right, okay, so my right. business coach is a man. All right, right. so this is telling you something, right? Yep, yeah. And so I get off the phone with him. <laughs> and so what did I do? I Googled. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably went How right. to get in touch with your feminine energy. <laughs> because that's a very masculine way to handle that, And it's the way right? you've been very doing it before. Cerebral, the, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. So I Googled how to get in touch with your feminine energy. And I'm looking at all the stuff and I'm like, oh, I could do that. Okay. All right. Very well then. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to take a bath. All right. I didn't know that was feminine, but all right. You know, so I did that. So that is the fascinating piece about all this. It's like, okay, but who's deciding what's like goes under the masculine versus who's decides the feminine? Like it's just, I'm so curious about all this. Yeah. Some blogger. That's who decided. Exactly. This blogger and enough, enough bloggers say this. So therefore like, what? so how would you define feminine energy now? So, and I don't even know, like, so since then I do feel more feminine in my like approach to life and I feel more softness and more acceptance of my whole being and I but I'm not there yet Mm. okay this is the big thing do you think everyone's there though anyone's there yet I don't know that anyone is there and it's not even about oh I I I say I'm not there yet compared to someone else right right I'm saying I'm not there yet compared to me such a journey right like I know I am now at the tip of the iceberg like I've walked a little ways down Maybe my feet are in the water, but (laughs) I know there's more to this, right? Because it, yeah. And I do think that there's this vulnerability space that 
we definitely energetically see as more of a feminine energy, vulnerability, um, just sort of softness, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sort of moving into that and I can't even necessarily put it all into words because it is definitely the next step in my journey, yeah, right? Yeah. So we could talk again next year and maybe I'd have more I know. of an answer, right? I know, totally. Um, but it definitely has been, de- you know, a piece for me of uh, why do I have to have the answers? Why do I have to figure it out? Mm. And I don't know that that's masculine or feminine, but I definitely think that that's where my feminine, that's where my masculine protection comes in. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know that it's necessarily that it's feminine to be vulnerable or it's feminine, you know, like I'm not going to say what is feminine, You're what's masculine. Label. Yeah. I just know that when I am going to have that masculine, like that protectant come up mm, for me mm-hmm. that is definitely more feels more masculine mm-hmm. even in my body mm-hmm. that's going to be what it's going to be around yeah. is feeling more vulnerable feeling like I can do this and it can be not perfect mm, in those sorts yeah. of spaces yeah so yeah it's definitely not an answer I can give you like what is feminine what is masculine but I know no, roles, totally, right yeah. traditional yeah. roles I have taken the sort of masculine breadwinner role. He is staying at home, taking care of the girls, but he's not, you know, he's not wearing a frilly apron and being a girl. (laughs) And I'm not, you know, out there being a boy, right? You know, like he's definitely not. And he is parenting like a man. Like, I mean, just one funny little example is they go to the park and he, and this might not be so totally a man thing, but I definitely think that it is. Um, He's at the park and the girls are climbing on the highest point they can find in the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it kind of does look a bit dangerous, okay? But that's what the boy would do, right? right? The right. boy would do that and the girl wouldn't necessarily do that. But So he's allowing them to explore He's not being like edge of themselves. all the moms at the park right. who will say this to my daughters. The, the dad's standing there and the mom will say, honey, honey, get the, you, you, that's dangerous. Mm. You, you got to be careful mm. up there. And it's yeah. like... He's not choosing to say that to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he knows their skill set. You know, like, yeah, they could fall. They could get hurt. But you can get hurt doing pretty much anything, right? Yeah. And so he's cool with it. And it is funny how many women are like, they probably think they're doing me a favor, right? They don't know me. But they probably think that they're doing the mom a favor. Right. Because no, nobody in their right mind would let their child do that. Yeah. So clearly, a woman needs to step in and make yeah. sure that this doesn't happen. Right. Which right. is funny, right? I know. It is a funny is, aspect of yeah. our culture in general. Exactly. So, um, and he, it is funny for him at the park and stuff. It is oftentimes he leaves the park feeling like they probably think that he was just like babysitting their, mm. his kids, you know, like he right, was the, the assumption that, or, oh, he's just stepping in. Right. To, or yeah. there's a divorce. And so he's mm. at the park with the kids because there's no mom to take them mm. to the park, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't, he does, he rarely feels completely like he's the, he's seen the same way yeah. by other women, yeah. which is also funny, right? Yeah. It's such a, and now this could be a dialogue that we could go into for a long right. time. Yeah, um, exactly. Something I've observed in your sharing, Amy, is that it just seems so beautiful and, and wonderful that you and your husband, I, the word allowance just comes in and you've used the word allow um, a little bit throughout this conversation, um, but that you allow each other to step fully into who each of you are um, as individuals, as a parent, as um, in your different roles. Um, and and I, it's actually, it's really remarkable because um, in other situations, it, you can we can sometimes witness, you know, a lot of the nitpicking or the 
uh, micromanaging or, but it's just, you both seem to really notice one another's strengths and really enhance and lift one another up in those moments. Not to say that you don't have probably hard challenges and, right. and other moments, but sure. um, I really appreciate your sharing that and painting that picture of, of how you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, it's just more the allowing and yeah, there's definitely times that I nitpick him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You're and he always yeah. redoes the dishwasher after yeah. I'm done. Like, yeah. it just happens. But, you know, whatever. Right. And there are those moments in our relationship. But as overall, we like, like, and I think that's what it gets back to is it's this respect. Like, I think the world of him, I think he's amazing. Mm. And yeah. I love when he puts himself out in the world and when he does the things he's passionate about because he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's huge in a marriage and in a relationship to have that mutual respect as opposed to that feeling of, well, we're in competition. If yeah. he's succeeding, I'm not. Or if he's succeeding, maybe he's succeeding better than me. Or the yeah, whole I don't, scorekeeping aspect. Right. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really see that scorekeeping in our relationship. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing, yes. Amy. So I feel like you and I could we could literally chat for hours. Um, yeah. There's so many other thoughts and questions. I loved your idea of coming back in a year. I think that, oh. you know, I most definitely want <laughs> Great, to I've set myself up I for know, another here we go. one. <laughs> um, interview you again. Um, but before we end, I want to know what is your favorite essential oil right now? Because I'm sure you have favorites oh, that yeah. jump into your, your, what's actually, what's your daily, what's a daily routine for you? Like what, oh, what do you yeah. start your day with in terms of essential oils? Um, what's your care routine around them? Yeah. So I have a personal care, uh, regimen every morning. So I spend at least 10 minutes alone with myself before anyone else gets me. Uh, and I use the oils a lot in that. And it's, different all the time. Balance is definitely a blend that gets on my feet every day. Uh, that's a blend for balancing and sort of that, uh, sort of calm centered grounded feeling. Mm, and I like I that feeling. Balance. Right. Yes. And so I use that on the bottom of my feet most of the time. I'll also use something else like motivation or motivate is the blend. I use it for motivation and whatever. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. So I kind of play around with a lot of the emotional sort of blends that they mm -hmm. have. And I like that. And then generally frankincense makes it under my tongue every morning. It's great for cellular support. And I feel I like, do that now because right? of you. Yeah. Can, it's amazing. Who doesn't yeah. need more help in that area? We're just in a very compromised time in the world for cellular health. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, doTERRA also has supplements. And so that makes it into my routine. And that has been a huge game changer for me personally is supplementing my good diet with really good um, vitamins, minerals, that sort of thing, fatty acids and stuff. And I think that's super important. Yes. So I do take those daily. Uh, I will sometimes throw a drop of essential oil in like a green smoothie in the morning mm -hmm. for breakfast and that sort of thing. Throughout the day, generally there's a little packet of oils that come with me and balance is in there and console is in there and motivate and cheer. So, so sort of my friends that hang out with me throughout <laughs> yeah, the day. Yeah. And like before I got on this, I used a little bit of motivate. I also put a little console because mm, that kind of calms everything yes. down. Kind of that like a little bit of nervous energy. Jitters. Yeah. yeah. And then I used breathe before so that I could talk more clearly. Yes. And stuff. So little things like that throughout the day. And then at night, I always put myself to bed with oils. So I put a little something in the diffuser. Uh, it could be a calming oil. It could be an emotional oil, whatever. 
Then I put Serenity, which is another calming night blend. Yes, I, like I that. love that one. Put that on the bottom of my feet with some cedarwood and some bergamot. That mm. little like cocktail works great on my feet. And then I do some things for like targeted. So like I, I have digestive stuff that can come up. So I use an oil for digestive support. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily because, oh, I feel bad in that area tonight. Just as More a... For preventative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep the area, you know, supported and fresh and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of a general day. So they work in and around throughout my day. And I have some of them in roller bottles. So I just apply them like perfume, right? Yeah. Like, because people are always like, well, how do you use that many oils? Well, a lot of times I apply them as perfume because mm-hmm. you just can for smell them. Scent, which also yes. lifts the mood. And, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think that for me at this point, it's a lot of intuition. Mm-hmm. Like as you get to know the oils, you know. Yeah. And it's funny how quickly kids get that intuition oh, much quicker so than cool. adults most yeah. of the time. They're much more open in that yeah, way. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of know what they need. And so I've kind of got to that point with them and just kind of grab what I need and stuff like that. But yeah, it is. And why it's a the bottom of the feet? You've mentioned oh, that a yeah. few times. So just to educate. Yeah, yeah. You guys are getting an essential oil class dispersed I know, the my podcast. <laughs> life experiences. Uh, so bottom of the feet has a lot of like blood uh, activity happening there as well as nerves and it's where your reflexology points are and stuff. So there's just a lot of ways to communicate with the body really easily there. And so putting it on the bottom of the feet is great as well as well, anything you put on your body goes in your body. So you can apply essential oil anywhere on your body and it's still going to get in, chemi- the chemistry is still getting in. And to the, the place it needs to go right, to. Right, exactly. Yeah. But if you put it on the bottom of your feet, it's also not a very sensitive part of the body. And so some of the oils can have like a sensation that comes with them, mm-hmm. which you can, you know, diminish by using a carrier oil. Like you had mentioned, what's the difference between an essential oil and like an, an another oil, like a food-based oil? Well, those oils have fat and essential mm-hmm. oils don't. Mm-hmm. So you can add an oil with fat, like coconut oil or something like that. Yep. And that helps to um, diminish any sensation you don't like mm-hmm. if okay. you're doing that. But bottom of the feet, not very sensitive, really easy to get the stuff, the chemistry into the body that way. So awesome. that's why I like it there. And yeah, so, and that's also good for some of the oils that maybe you don't love the aroma, mm. but you want to use it. Yep. So you put it on your feet, put the socks on, and now you just, you know, you're good. You don't really yeah, have it right in your face. Dilute you know? the, the, yeah. the smell or the scent. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what's your, so what is your favorite oil today? <laughs> so my favorite oil today, I think I've just been loving console a lot. Yeah. Like balance. I mean. What's, I, what's in it? What's you know, the blend? I'm not positive what's all in there. Like it's, it's very like there's trees and herbs in that one. It's no, really, it's trees and flowers. That's what it is. That, Cause there's some lavender yeah. in there. It's trees and flower combination. And that combination is really good for kind of helping you to feel a little bit more calm and centered and grounded. It has some similar principles behind it to balance so the oils are not the same Uh, but both of those kind of end up in my world I have a lot of high I'm I'm a high energy person I'm not a high energy person as in I don't run and I don't like do a ton of like physical Mm. activity but I have a lot of like emotional energy yeah coming back to that word fire like you like even when you're describing like the differences between you and your husband like I do see that there's, there's this like ember of passion and knowledge that you want to explode out to the world, which is such a beautiful part of who you are. Um, so I do imagine, I can also 
totally understand why you would want to help just to balance and calm yes. some of that energy at times. Right, exactly. Because I've got yeah. it in spades. Yeah. So I might yeah. as well like calm it down <laughs> yeah. a little because I yeah. feel better when I have a little bit more mm. you know, control over yeah. that extra yeah. energy. So I, de- I tend to use those, but I could never be without frankincense. Mm. Like yeah. that one is I do just... That one. It's the king of oils. Mm, well, like, you think, there's a million yeah. things you can do with it. Yeah. Basically, when in doubt, use frankincense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a one become definitely one part of my daily regimen. I'm yes. so grateful. Um, one more question because I want to know what nourishes you when when you're not mom, when yeah. you're not entrepreneur, when you have maybe a day off, like a, literally like a day off to unplug. What do you choose to do, Amy? I love the beach. Mm, like yeah. if I can get to the beach, yeah, I'm a big fan of the beach. And why? The what, air, what? the, I just, yeah, it, the air I think. Calms you. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just the water because I can take a bath and that's just not the same. But there's something about that beach air, that salt, all of that wonderful like minerals that are happening there and mm. stuff like that. Love that. And uh, if I can't make it to the beach, because I don't live on the beach, I live about 40 minutes away from the beach. Uh, I also, I just really like to read and kind of digest information. And I'm really into information. So what are you reading right now? uh, Right now, let's see, I, I've been binge listening on audio to, um, Brene Brown's. Oh, I love Brene Brown. Yes. That's a great person to mention around the vulnerability piece. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's the power of vulnerability that I've been listening to kind of on a loop for mm. a little while there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also reading Dr. Axe's book, Eat Dirt. Oh my gosh. Someone else just mentioned that to me recently. Yeah. I haven't read that one yet, but very, I hear it's yeah, incredible. It's very cool. So I'm reading that one. Um, and I try and keep it to just like one on audio and one reading mm-hmm. so that I'm not too scattered. Yeah. But I yeah. probably have a couple others that are sitting there waiting. You, you know? are such a great resource for me. You've been for like books and because I feel like you're always like, oh my gosh, did you read this one? This one? So I have this list of the, the recommendations from Amy that oh, I'm like <laughs> slowly chipping away at. But, um, that's but yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, Amy. Yeah. I love, I love that. So that fuels me and feeds me. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank Thank you so much for all of your sharing. I'm really grateful. Um, I love what I love so much about podcasting and my experience so far in um, just diving into conversation with my guests is I, even though I feel like I knew you pretty well, I mean, we've gotten to know each other, especially in the last, I would say eight months, even more so. Um, I learned so much about you today. And I love that because I am so curious too. And I love just to learn. So yeah, thank you. Totally you are. Thank you so much for um, just spending this afternoon with me and sharing your journey and your experience and staying so open um, and inspiring for other people. Thank you. Um, yeah. And those three words that you shared at the beginning, they definitely, I would say, describe you really well. <laughs> thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you, yes. Amy. And um, I really appreciate, uh, yeah, I appreciate your openness. The th- one of the things that I think I've noticed the most about you is your openness with telling people what you see in them. And oh, I think wow. that a lot of people like admire people, but they kind of do it from a distance or they do it internally. And I just think you're just really neat about just telling people what you see that they're 
doing well. Like, and I see this in a lot of different ways. So it's not just like, you know, what I've heard with you and me, but I love how encouraging you are to other people and thoughtful you are about who they are. And I think that's amazing. And I see that so clearly in your podcasting, which I'm totally riveted to your podcasts because I love that what you bring out in people because you see it Mm. and you're not afraid to say, I see this in you. Mm, And I think that's an amazing gift. So thank you for bringing that every podcast to the rest of your life. Thanks for sharing that. That means a lot. Uh, I think that's definitely part of my, my mission. I was gonna say work. It's not really work. It's just my passion. And, um, is I, I love being able to shine back to people what like for you today, like what your light is like, and really lifting that up and shouting it out to the world because, um, we all, I think we, we all have such brilliance within us and it gets diminished at times or we don't, we don't always see it within ourselves. So, um, so thank you. This is, it's a gift for me to be able to, to do this. So thank you. Um, how can people find you, Amy? So whether it's through, and I'm not going to say it, pronounce it right. Your, um, tool company and you know, doTERRA and then any other way, how would you like people to find you? Uh, yeah. So I, if you're curious about the, uh, lamp working tools, um, you probably don't know another lamp worker, but maybe you do. That's zuzies.com. It's spelled Z O O. Z-I-I-S.com. And for a little while, I was selling uh, I was selling simple beaded jewelry in Portsmouth. And so I wanted this cute little like whimsical name. And so that's where the Zuzis came from. It was a little nickname that I had for my dog that I had at the time. And so I was like, ah, yeah, I'll just go with that because I just needed something to put on the card. And lo and behold, it turns into this 13-year tool it. business. So yeah. It I'm, sticks. I right? mean, it, it sticks funny. out and it's yeah. awesome. So I love the <laughs> yeah, story. So that's where it came from. It was a dog's nickname and not intended to be a business <laughs> name and it was actually a very poor business name because who knows how to spell that yeah I have well, to spell it for everyone yeah. right so it's zuzi z-o-o-z-i-i-s.com so that's that and then I also have um Facebook for, if you want to know more about essential oils and you're curious about that you can connect with me through peaceful wellness on Facebook because yes peace comes from wellness. Mm, So peaceful wellness on Facebook, you can connect with me there. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you have questions, curiosity about essential oils for your own life or anything else like that, I would love to connect with you on that. Um, And Amy is a great person to connect to with that um, because that's where I'm at now. Being a wellness advocate, I'm continuing to just dive into it and learn from you. So we're having fun. Yeah, it's awesome. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's probably the two easiest places to find me and my contact info. If you're not interested, in the lamp working, but you want contact info for questions or anything like that, you can certainly find it on the contact section of my website. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. So. Well, thank you so much, Amy. This yes, was so much fun. Thank you. I can't wait till next time. Yeah. Next year. Apparently. Next year. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.